my guest tonight for Unraveling Religion is Graham Sears, and I uh, just would like to welcome Graham. Thanks, Joel. It's nice to be with you. Uh, we've done a few takes, so... <laughs> it's still but, nice to be with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but uh, before, before uh, we started the show, uh, Graham and I were speaking about some of uh, my influences, and uh, I was wondering um, if, Graham, you could offer some of your influences. What are some of your influences? Wow. Well, I'm 55, so I probably could look back on more... Um, you know, of those types of things than you. Um, and there are a lot of them um, from all sides of, of issues, really. But uh, I, I might start by saying that I was, I was brought up in a, in a Christian home with church-going brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and grandparents and uh, read the Bible. And um, <clears throat> um, so that was an early influence. Um, it's an influence that I've completely thrown off, I think. Um, but um, just looking back on some of the early um, years, uh, I think one of the first influences that I remember strongly um, impacting my attitudes about religion were in my high school. Um, okay. As a ninth grader, we, we had a course comparative world religions uh, followed the next semester by a course on uh, on ethics and those those two semesters really um, sort of coalesced for me I think ideas that had already been emerging as a as a as a young person but um, and then since since high school I've just tried to read as much as I could I mean I've read the Bhagavad Gita I was sitting on a train once and uh heard someone talking about Richard Oppenheimer when he saw the atomic bomb detonate in 1945. His first thought was a quotation from the Bhagavad Gita. And so, and I... Do you recall that? Yes, I do. It, uh, the quote was, now I am become death destroyer of worlds. So I thought I'd better read that book. Yeah. And I did. But I had, I had read other books by that time. That was, that was in my late teens or early 20s. Anyway, um, so many influences, just the world's record of history, of ideas, um, you know, fictional literature deals with religion. Some of the great works um, address it directly and indirectly. But then, then I got into formal reading when I was older, um, you know, philosophy, the history of religion, theology, the Bible. I, I read the Quran. Um, more recently than before because of world trends and events. Sure. But it would be too difficult to, to really develop any kind of analytical framework for the influences that, that play in my opinions on religion. Just many, many, many. But what I try to do is call the best minds, the, 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 the smartest folks, just just sort of pick from their work and their ideas and my memory is pretty good so I, I never have the sense that these are my ideas in any right at all just sure. a collection of really smart folks and their works so um, but I could talk about some of my very early sort of autonomous musings on religion uh, 
really early on I was upset that that the Bible in particular sort of left out my mother and, and sister and grandmother. Yeah. Um, and then I remember reading very clearly, and their stories are still in there if you want to go and read them, how how to go about selling your daughters into sexual slavery. And uh, it's not only not forbidden, but there's a kind of a how-to approach in, in a lot of the books of the Old Testament, how, how to, you know, the rules of, of the deal. Yeah. Actually selling female children into slavery, or in Leviticus, if you're, if, if a girl is not a, a virgin on her wedding night, you might know the end of this story too. You 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 murder her on her father's doorstep. Um, so you so take issue with that. Well, it occurred to me that this <laughs> might not be the greatest moral teaching yeah. possible. It yeah. might not even be good moral teaching, frankly. So, so um, and then right after the the treatment of women and the lack of representation um, at the at the upper end of religious texts for women. There's the, the killing of villages and actually the entire population of the planet in one story of the, the Bible. So it, it, it right away it struck me as this can't be the best way to approach moral decision making, you know. And so I had to pretty quickly realize that uh, I think we're making it up as we go and we gotta, yeah. we gotta kind of do it. So, so I've taken a pretty strong approach against the uh, the position that religion holds apparently in the popular culture in America it's just silly and uh, you hear all kinds of um, support for it from various you know directions and uh, the founding fathers were well they weren't uh, Christians at all I mean I could share some quotes from I mean Thomas Jefferson just blasts Christianity, calls the, the God of, you know, the Christians this vengeful, horrible thing, you know, and Sam Adams at one point prepared uh, some sort of formal document to present to, I think, a country in South America, but it said they were trying to develop a, an alliance with, uh, I wish I could remember the, the, the specific country, but he wrote that America is in, and it was, it was an Islamic country, a Muslim country, so he wrote that America was in no way a religious nation, that it saw itself as completely non-ideological in terms of religion, and submitted it, and the entire Congress of, of, of the American states uh, signed it without a single, you know, protest, and, and so clearly uh, every senator in the, in the country in, what, 17, maybe it was 1803 or four or something, um, was of the same opinion. So, I mean, anyway, big problem with um, with some of these formal religions. And uh, but yet, yes. I, I know in speaking with you, Graham, that yeah. you uh, you you believe in in ethics, human ethics. Of course, sure. Yeah. I actually believe it's probably the wrong word. I don't. I'm not big on that word, believe. But I, I I'm a strong advocate of of moral awareness, um, um, you know, an attempt to, to make the best decisions we can make, you know, regarding our behavior and our relations with our brothers and sisters. Sure. For sure. Um, 
So I, I just don't think that that's, that religion has anything to do with establishing moral, you know, laws or, or, or precepts. I mean, we just talked about some of the the Bible's uh, opinions thereon. Yeah. Clearly, that's not. I mean, we we safely ignore half of the Old Testament now. We we obviously don't beat our slaves. I mean, if, if in the Old Testament, it's Exodus, actually. You beat a slave badly enough, if he, di- if he dies within 24 hours, that's a problem for you. If, if it's more than 24 hours, it's fine. Um, nowhere in the New Testament does Christ repudiate slavery. In fact, Christ tells slaves in several places to treat their masters the way that he asks their masters to, to, to behave towards him. Um, the slaveholders in the South knew that they had the theolo- theological argument on their side. The, the, the Bible's a virtual mandate for slavery. And uh, if there's anything that we've achieved in modernity in, on the planet, ethically, if there's a single great victory that, that sure. humans have, have won, I would think it might be the elimination of, of, you know, formally, anyways, of slavery. That was not done by paying more attention to our holy books. The Quran is just as bad. I can't speak for too many of the Eastern So it's kind, of, it's kind of a collective conscious awareness. Well, I think it is. I think we're taking what we consider to be the right behaviors. I mean, we're, we're, we're choosing ourselves, and it's clearly not any any God-given you know, set of rules where we are making the decisions ourselves. Even religious folks who've chosen not to murder their daughters uh, as they were commanded in the Bible, they're, they're editing the Bible based on our own decent sensibilities. I mean, the door to modern ethics doesn't open from the inside with respect to religion. You, you, you can't be in the religious house and get to the place we've got to today with slavery and hopefully with with uh, women's rights you, you had to get outside and, and you know go from there because see it with fresh eyes yeah if you're if you're inside the house of of christianity you're you know literally inside you are you are murdering your daughters you are you are committing genocide you're doing you're taking your your son for a walk and telling him you're going to kill him because god has asked you to do so that's that's not the kind of walk I want to take with my son. I think that's actually the kind of thing that people should be, you know, incarcerated for, you know, not, not, not deified for. But anyway, so this, this morality thing doesn't come from religion. It comes, even very young children, even primates demonstrate moral actions and, and behaviors and sensibilities. And, you know, it's, it's just not something that we need religion to, to, to provide for us. We're smart enough and sensitive enough to know not to murder our our daughters or sell them into slavery or, you know, all these other things. We we can do that. And and it's not as if God needed to give the Canaanites a very short list of what to kill people for. I mean, right. it's not like that's some great achievement. Just, you know, only kill in these circumstances. You know, not not a virgin slave talk you know if your children talk back to you the bible says kill them kill them you know if they insult you kill them I'm, it just can't be 
the source right. of perfect morality. You know, it isn't. It's just, it's just no question that it isn't. It's a, a book that was written a long time ago before people had better ideas and better evidence and better systems for understanding. Um, they didn't know, I mean, revelation, you know. A real revelation might have been some mathematical theorem, some pi. Have God reveal the relationship of the diameter to the radius, I mean, of the radius to the circumference of a circle, or tell humans that there was a, a continent in, in the southern seas as big as all of Europe, or that there were three other planets yet discovered, or, or reveal the microbial world, or the concept of, of germs, or, 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 or calculus, anything. Right. But it's, someone's going to ride in on a donkey. I mean, this is not just, you know, stuff that convinces you that this is the creator of, of the universe who wrote a book. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, you know. But they didn't know then. They, right. they had no real way of checking it out. So no, no, no. Yeah. it's compelling, Be you know. But because it's interesting, Graham. When we were speaking before the show began, you know, I was telling you about some of my influences and uh, that, uh, you know, Buddhism and... Um, in particular, Zen meditation uh, has come to be an, um, an integral part of my life. So, um, that being said, your my slant is a little bit different than yours, obviously, but yet I think we find common ground in that the condition, the human condition, the condition of people, uh, is one that. Um, has, you know, a wide spectrum of uh, experiences, but it that... It does. It does. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't deny that humans are, for lack of a better word, spiritual beings. We have yeah. uh, profound experiences that can't be satisfied with certain descriptions or, or uh, I mean... So, I, and I find myself from time to time almost admiring the religious impulse, although not really, but it's uh, it's something t to to take note of and, and to uh, to try to explain. It's, it's I tend to break things down as either propositional or aesthetic. If you're talking about where humans came from or, or where the universe came from or uh, you know how to behave you're, you're you're proposing statements of fact but all the rest of life all the the beauty that you know looking out at the sunset right now and these clouds and and the cool air kind of wafing in that that's beautiful and it's hard to it's really hard to describe it's hard to relate to in, in some ways hard to put into words even i mean existence that's such a mystery um it's less of a mystery than it was and the i think the the scientific pursuit of existence is 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 maybe more beautiful than the religious explanations well in fact it is for sure for me right but nonetheless the well, i take it as i take it as uh you know um science and, and the systemization of uh knowledge that is tangible and recordable and provable and repeatable right. 
is is vital and important. I guess that's what I was referring to when I talked about the uh, the propositional part yeah. of life. But then there's yeah. that other part, music and and little children and, and the spiritual food or mystical and kind. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, and the, and the sort of the sense of oneself and uh, the very subtle beauty of being and thinking. You know. Yeah. So. Are are you are you at all affiliated? May I ask you? Are you all affiliated with the Center for Inquiry? You know, it's uh, it's great that you asked me that because I was going to bring it up, and I was going to say about it that it's one of the world's great organizations. It's it's right here in Western New York, uh, out in Amherst. It's called the Center for Inquiry, and I I was giving them money, you know, 20 years ago, and uh, not a lot. But I recognize them as a wonderful organization. It's just a kind of a pushback, a rational pushback against what's really becoming a, a tragic, delusional... Blinded by you know, faith. That's, yeah, yeah, really. There's um, blindness of faith. I mean, faith is like any other thing that I think that in, it can be a vehicle that can take you in many different directions and, and sometimes... Uh, one of those directions can be a kind of blindness to uh, what is practical, rational, reasonable. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually go farther, uh, Joel. I, I, I don't think there's any religious faith, any belief in a supernatural. If, if we're talking about supernatural gods, creator gods, personal gods, faith in that kind of situation is always irrational. I, I just don't see how anything short... I mean, moderate religious folks are not doing anybody any favors. They, they legitimize very pious folks. You know, the, the, the 19 gentlemen on, on those planes a few years ago yeah. showed our religious people just how powerful real piety and faith and belief can be, but isn't that true, Graham? That isn't it true that um, it is not necessarily. It can be the fixed notion of something. It doesn't necessarily have to be religious. There, there are many different demonstrations yeah. of fundamentalism, right? Um, well, yeah. I mean to sort of group the the traditional supernatural gods together. Um, and not the ones that are in that giant graveyard that we call mythology, because that's where all of them are going to go. Jefferson's got a great quote about Jesus springing uh, unfathered from, from his mom is going to go down with Minerva coming from the head of Zeus. I mean, it's just, they're, currently they're considered religions. In, in the future, they'll be part of mythology. Uh, you know, atheists. That's actually very interesting that you say that. Atheists. <clears throat> I, I could actually see that. I could see oh, it, that. It's, it's simply a historical certainty. If you if you if you can't see that, you can't see history. Um, the the origins of of Christianity borrow almost everything from other religions. There there are dozens of gods that are born without uh, sex. They're, they're virgin births. I mean, and by the way, I can't pass that without mentioning how 
unfortunate that is for, for all women in the world because, I mean, the term, for example, immaculate, con yeah. immaculate conception. Right. Now, the, the word immaculate, we all know, means clean. The implication is as clear as can be. Right. All other conceptions are dirty. This is horrific penalty that women have paid well, for organized religion. I don't see it. I mean, I, I understand. I understand if your you logic. If you read the Bible, I understand it's full yeah. of misconceptions about women's physiology. If, if a menstruating woman lays on a bed, sits on a chair, does, does anything in your home, you can't, you've got to wash the bed, you can't go on the chair Laws for, for days. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Quran is worse. The Bible's really bad. The Quran's worse in this respect. Um, women are property. Rape in Islam is a crime that men commit against other men because women are their properties. Um, anyway, um, the idea that a holy person, that, that the son of God comes without the benefit of sex is a, is a profound implication to behavior. And well, it, I, think, I think what it, it's, it's uh, implied that deeply, a deep psychological facet of that is that our uncertainty or discomfort with sex, with, with that whole... I, I can't say I mean, that I have any personal experience with, with discomfort or uncertainty. I think sex is one of the No, 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 I mean, as a, a human, no, 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 it yeah. is. And I'm not speaking I mean, on a personal level, but I, yeah. I mean more like collectively in... I think it comes from our religious teachings and not from our... Freud wrote a great essay called The Future of an Illusion. It's about religion, which he rightly describes as an illusion. I like to think of it, as Dawkins does, as a delusion. But he, he says that... Um, well, it's, it's a very short essay, and anyone who wants to read something absolutely brilliant, it's, it's not a scientific... Uh, polemic or anything. It's, it's just written by a, a brilliant man who, who invented a way of understanding <clears throat> um, something about humans that no one had ever really sort of put their finger on before. But our fears um, and our uncertainties are at the heart of our, the creation of religion and uh, well, normal psychology, people. Psychology, yeah. Healthy. You know, the first thing that religions do is they create a problem with humans that, that only they can deal with. Normal, healthy people don't, re don't need religion at all. It's only because religion starts by saying, you're broken, you're a sinner. That makes them relevant in the first place. Yeah. People aren't broken, they're not sinners. And it's, it's not something that we need at all. We, we need love and work and food and friendship and beauty. And none of that absolutely necessarily has to come from religion. So many other things in life can sustain us. In fact, you know, we'd be fine without religion, uh, you know, if we, if we did it the right way. <laughs> really, but it's, it's certainly I, in the future. I mean, how things manifest for people and, and belief systems and how they, um, how they shape our behaviors and, and morals and ethics uh, it un undoubtedly has been, um, religion has been and has, has been at the heart of, uh, it, you know, creating, shaping these things. But uh, and it, religion is uh, 
it is a power structure and a hierarchy based on man's interpretation of uh, trying to make sense of the world. To some extent, but not really. I'd have to take exception with you there, Joel. Religion is, in fact, pretty much the opposite of, of a real attempt to make sense. I mean, it was an early attempt to make sense, but they have systematically rejected and I, I'm just going to restrict my discussion to the, to, the, to the three religions that I think comprise, I don't know what, 90 something percent of the world's population. But they have systematically constructed resistance to, to new, new ways. I mean, do you know when Galileo was pardoned for basically discovering the, the structure of the solar system and, and thereby the universe? It's pretty recent, right? I mean, are they going to take credit <laughs> for that? Um, the church, and it's, it's the perfect sort of parable for this is, is Adam and Eve. The apple represents knowledge. The apple tree represents the tree of learning and wisdom. God says, do not seek knowledge. I am all you need to know. Everywhere through scripture and through theological writing. Aquinas is, is great at this. He says it's a dangerous thing to teach people anything, just the Bible, and in Latin, so most people can't understand it. But Eve wants to know, and I have to give her credit. You know, she was curious before Adam and in a, to a higher degree. So she plucks the apple because she's curious. She is a human after all, and she's punished for it terribly. And, and this is great to all females down the line that had nothing to do with that moment are also thereby punished uh, apparently in childbirth you know um, that is perfect characterization of how religion treats an independent rational a method of inquiry it, it's and frankly you got to give them credit there too because they, they would certainly probably anticipate, hey, they'll figure this out. We've got to do everything we can do to make them need this system and to, uh, and to quell rationality. And the very definition of the irrational is to be more persuaded with less evidence. And that's precisely what belief is all about. You know? Well, yeah, I mean... You provide some very compelling arguments, and, and um, believe me, they're not mine. They're, they're not <laughs> no, they my really arguments. They're, they're, they're very, very old arguments, but um, I'm trying to keep them going. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so what, what fundamentally are we then, Graham? Let me ask you that. Well, we're primates um, that, um, that are, you know, I think... The, the story of what we are has to ask what were we and then what were we before that and what, what are we now? What were we just recently? I mean, there's a continuum and it's, I think it's safe to say that, you know, when I was younger, I, I was taught, I, I was being, I was so impressed by the, the, the critical <laughs> rational movement, the enlightenment, mm. the, um, the discovery of, of, of the world and the universe and, and, chemistry and all the sciences and this explosion of knowledge and, and methodology. So I, for the first 15 years of my sort of, you know, formative studies, I, I thought, wow, we are rational animals. We are these amazing rational animals. You look around 
at the world of, of animals, and you know, there's some clever primates and there's some clever birds, but we are we compose symphonies, and we we know we die, and and we um, we can remember things for weeks and weeks. We make tools to make tools to make tools. We're really pretty pretty neat, and yet so many of us do crazy things and, and believe crazy things and, and it's difficult for me to sometimes really understand why except as Bertrand Russell says that we're not supposed to underestimate the habit of our education. Men and women who are born in Topeka, Kansas are raised to believe in Catholicism or, or Christianity of some sort. Men and women born in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia or Mindanao right. are raised to believe other things. We, we don't see people in Topeka up and becoming Buddhists, or, or, I mean, occasionally, but very rarely. No, I understand what you're saying. And yet, if you took that person as, a, as an infant and f flew them over and had them raised, you know, by m Muslim parents, they would come back 25 years and say, Christianity is a lie. There's one true prophet. And, you know, Allah is the true God. And it's just so obvious that it's what they're taught. It's, it's not at all the truth of the things they've been taught. Mm -hmm. It's simply the fact that that's what they've been taught. Their community, their family, their whole environment constructs that belief system and behavior. So, so uh, clearly that's an indication that this stuff is tenuous. This stuff is, is arbitrary. The truth is not there. The truth is is for some other method of understanding. So, so the truth uh, from from your perspective is that that which is empirical, and well, again, you know, empiricism and science don't give us all the answers. But Carl Sagan said it so well. If you don't have the answers, you know, we really we prefer bad theories to none which is a mistake. Um, that's why if people don't understand something about an ev a historical event or, or a question in philosophy, they'll make up a theory that is bad and they'll go with it rather than just leave it alone. Trying to make don't, sense of the world. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, if, if you don't have information, wait. Don't, don't think with your gut because that's not you know, going to get you anywhere. Look what George <laughs> Bush did you know this gut feeling about this and that but yeah. but what we can figure out you know we, we can figure out and uh, so you know y you go with this this method which admittedly is very provisional but you don't claim certainty and yet you have these amazing systems for predicting and understanding and you know we call it science it's it's a really good. It's the only thing you can really make claims with, and everything else is is aesthetic. You know, everything else is just your sense of beauty, your subjective, you know, ex experiences. You, you, which I think is why I have a little problem with with um, some of the um, some of the meditative. Uh, I mean, I no, 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 that's okay. I don't think it's. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's a. a, a I mean. For lack of a better term, you know, rationalists, atheists, whatever, those folks can go into caves and, and meditate for a year. They do it all the time. It's, it, it, it's not a religious experience per se. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intellectual 
philosophical experience. It's a psychological exercise. Sure, that's, yeah, that's what it is. But it remains pretty subjective in my view. That's, you know, when you hear people talk about those experiences and then come to offer... A writer named Campbell wrote The Hero with a Thousand Faces and he said the quintessential hero has to risk his, his existence on some sort of trip, place that he, he's not familiar with, heroism is involved, he's got he's to overcome obstacles, then the key is he's got to come back or go somewhere and share the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience. It, it can't just be some subjective thing that never radiates. So if you say, I, I know Elvis is still alive, I, I, I feel it. When I, when I look at you, I think that you might actually even be Elvis. I, I just feel that. You can construct any metaphysics with that sentence. It, it doesn't work as an objective No, by its mechanism. very nature. Yeah, its and so nature. it has to sort of sit by itself. You know, I, yeah. I mean, as a thing to do, it's fine, but where's that end game? Where's that bringing the stuff to the table and saying, here's something that we all can understand? It, it just seems that that's where it fails, you know? I mean, I'm not saying that it fails the individual. I'm just saying that it's very difficult to translate. And as such, I tend to want to leave it, leave it alone because I, I have a real specific set of things that I kind of want to do in my life and subjective experiences aren't necessarily one of them. I have them all the time, but I really want to get them in line so that my wife can relate, so that I can tell my family and friends, so I can write poetry about it, so, yeah. I, you know, so, that, so, that, it's, so that it lasts, so that there's something there, you know?